This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hola mi gente, this is Ish. And this is DJ. And this is... Pero, Pero let, let me, me tell you. you. Dale. Anyway, well, welcome everyone. Episode numero ocho. That's right, ya estamos en number eight. I mean, technically number nine, because we did that 3.5, yeah. but... Um, but bonafide number eight. Yeah, yeah. On paper, it's number eight as we so say. So okay. as always, thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for tuning into episode yeah, eight. No, no, no. This is a full packed episode. So. Yeah, I mean, and La Vedaca, we couldn't be here without you guys. And, you know, we actually didn't bring up 3.5 on purpose, but now that we did, I think it ties back into where we're going to jump yes. off here. So we, it's no secret now, we usually record our podcast about a week, a, a week in, uh, ahead, sometimes depending on our time constraints two weeks ahead but generally when you're hearing our podcast it's about a week old and um today was a very uh important day mm-hmm. um going March back to 24th. as you said episode 3.5 um in terms of the school shootings uh, in parkland uh today was the national march for our lives um yep. uh, movement and there were marches all over uh, the country, and um, I'm happy to the say world. The, the was, world. There yeah. was one in London as well. That I oh yeah, that yeah. I, I there, there were a few yeah. places yeah. in Europe as well, and I'm happy to report that yours truly was uh, part of the march today, and I was very, very happy to be part of it. I thought it was the least that I could do. And no, um, no, you did a lot. I will tell you what I did, and what I did is the least you can do. What did you do? So, um, I was actually supposed to go to the beach today, and I didn't, because um, I woke up late, but then we were really hungry, so we went to Coral Bagels. And Ooh, Coral Bagels. I haven't been there in years. So good. So good. 
So we're sitting there and shout out to Coral Bagels. So Coral Bagels. <laughs> we're sitting there and you know we're eating and we're watching the the live broadcast on mm-hmm. ABC of, mm-hmm. of the march in Washington and you mm-hmm. know reading the subtitles and what have you. And while we're sitting there, this mother and daughter come in mm-hmm. and the mother was wearing a March for Our Lives shirt mm-hmm. and the daughter was wearing a black shirt that said something. I, I don't recall what she said just because it wasn't mm-hmm. the slogan, but it was something related as well. But what really caught my eye, aside from the fact they were wearing these shirts, is that the daughter was on crutches. She okay. had her right leg had a brace on it. So, I mean, you know, she had all the excuse in the world, I guess, legitimate to just be like, you know what? I'm going to stay I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, but no, she was so, you know, her conviction was so strong that she went and she marched. I she went to the beach one. Because right. like when they came in, we did say, you know, well, that's commitment that you marched and that, you know, we congratulate you and we salute mm-hmm. you. That's fantastic. And... And so on. And so, you know, again, thinking back to when we were kids, I mean, mm-hmm. we did volunteer work. We did yeah. we did certain things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on a typical Saturday, we probably would have slept until noon. Mm-hmm. And if we had a busted leg, even less, even less. we would have gotten up and gone anywhere. Mi mamá no hubiera dejado salir de la casa. No, no, no. Olvídate. She'd be like, what? Con la pata rota. Con la pata rota. Tú estás loco. You're not going anywhere. So, whatever, you know, we said, we, we kind of congratulated them and, and gave them props and as I was leaving I actually went up and I paid for their lunch I didn't tell you them you paid for their food I did pay for their Aww, food I that didn't, is so sweet I didn't say you. anything to them and I told the girl you know don't don't tell them don't go up to them and say anything but you know that's why I say that's the least you can do mom no I you mean know, every little bit counts wow that is really paying it forward you know so I just thought if this girl felt so strongly about it yeah and she's really you know, marching and really bringing forth this this attempt to bring about change, period. At the end of the day, whether you agree with mm-hmm. one side or the other, you know, this is somebody who... We, we complain all the time that, you know, la juventud hoy en día está perdida. You know, this generation, mm-hmm. they don't do anything. But then the moment that they do something, we also like to complain that, like, ugh, mm-hmm. they're doing something and ugh, right. they don't know what they're talking about. So they can't win. Right. You know, because either they're lazy... Or they're, they're too opinionated. Their or they're too right, opinionated. Right. right. So there's no um, happy medium. Right. So I figured, you know what? I'm gonna pay for their club sandwiches and their cheese well, grits. That is very nice <laughs> of you. That is really paying it forward. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's very that's sweet of my, you. My little contribution to to the march that's for very our sweet lives. Of you. Well, so I actually went to the march. I first was gonna go to the one in, in the beach, uh, but it was too packed. So yeah. I oh, because a winter music conference too. Yes, yeah, yes. that's true. Oh my god, yes, everything's going on on yeah. that side of town. <laughs> um, anyway, so I ended up going to the Doral one, and I went with some friends from work. And um, for those of you who don't know, Doral is just another little suburb. Um, when you think, you know, it's kind of like saying when you say New York, but then within New York, you have Queens, you have the Bronx, you have right. Brooklyn. So Doral is just another little sub subsection, yeah. of of Miami. And. Um, and it was great because that um, the march today in Doral, um, we marched to Marco Rubio's office. Mm-hmm. Again, these are things we've talked about. There's like continuity now with our with our episodes. Yes, together. we marched to his office, and um, although it was Saturday, and clearly he was not in his office, it was. It's well, the but, symbolism. But it's also, it's Winter Music Conference, so he may have been at a phone party. He may have been at a phone party. at a phone party, because we know from our last episode how we much... We know little Marco Rubio loves some phone Marco parties. Marco loves him some phone parties, and I can't blame him. Which, which, actually, if you Google Marco Rubio phone party, there are some pictures of him from the 90s and phone parties. Well, there you go. So I invite people, Google Marco Rubio yeah. phone party. The boy used to have fun once and not once Listen, upon a time. Listen, oye, todo mundo We were all young <laughs> once, okay? Not everybody was born, you know, 80 years old, except for Strom Thurmond. Okay. He was born a, a ripe old 62. 
and then you know he died at 212. So okay, well, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Oh, he made up for it. He made yeah. up for it. So yes, yes. Um, anyway, so the the march today, we we marched to his office, and you know it was symbolic, obviously. Correct. And um, you know there were a lot of people who spoke, and they tried to keep it as. You know, um, was it a similar format to the rally that was going on in DC? Obviously, yes. it was a bigger one and that had a bigger stage. Yes, and yes. This, this had a stage. Okay. Um, there were people from uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School who spoke. Okay. Um, there were community leaders who spoke. Um, there were kids who sang, and um, so it, it was very, it was very well planned and thought out. And the police did a wonderful job of closing down the streets. That's and all what that. I'm impressed by to some degree. Is this is ultimately a grassroots movement, and I think it speaks to the fact that neither you nor I growing up had a movement of this magnitude because you, you, yeah. you look back at the 60s and the civil rights movement was a grassroots movement in, in and of itself mm-hmm. you know albeit without the connectivity that we have nowadays so you know to see something like this happen at this magnitude and so organized so very because organized because it is grassroots but it it doesn't look ragtag Rag. well they also now have the advantage of social media right so but this is one of those things where social media does exactly help right. i mean the only the only thing i could think of when we were kids in elementary school um in middle school so this would have been in the eight, late 80s um it, it was you know like say no to drugs that was yeah as, but that wasn't that, that wasn't like a like, like it wasn't like a mark it was correct. more like an awareness. Correct. It was correct. more like an awareness campaign. I mean, I would say this is close to civil rights in the, in, you know, obviously not in the topic of it, but in the magnitude and how it's being. The organized. people took it upon themselves. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, so it was a great day. Um, one of the things that I uh, really was taken aback by was that there were a lot of kids. Um, and, and when I mean kids, I don't even mean kids that are like 17, 16, 17 years old. Necessarily. I mean kids that were 8, 9, 10 years old. Because they're affected by and, it. And one of the kids that I was with, um, shout out to Brandon, you know, he was telling me how yesterday, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Brandon recently, is not 8 years old, by no, the way. No, so. Brandon is, he's, he's 10 <laughs> years old. But, you know, he's a very articulate little boy. And he was telling me how um, they had, a, they called it a code red, at least in his school. Mm-hmm. They call it a code red you know, a drill, or, drill or you. where, you know, they have to take certain measures and so does a teacher in right. case of a school shooting. And, you know, when you hear stuff like that is when it really, it's, you kind of come insane. full circle and you say, you know, not too long ago, we were right. elementary school students right. and the worst thing we had to worry about was a fire drill. Yeah. You know, everybody walk out single line, no talking. That, I mean, that was as... You haven't had... I mean, thankfully, yet to have this conversation with your son, but my sister has had to have this conversation with my two oldest yeah. nephews, and it breaks my heart when she tells me, you know, that when she told me that she had to sit them down and obviously to their level, mm-hmm. you know, explain this to them. But what really broke my heart is because they're all they're very close, the three mm-hmm. boys, and you know, she basically tell them like, look, no matter what happens, do not go look for your brother, right? You know, don't leave that area because right. the instinct, again, because they're so close, would be like, oh, I have to go see. If my brother's okay, mm-hmm. and that's the part that just killed me. Right, like, it just it, it broke right. my heart. Right, and so I mean, yeah, that, that's a rea- that's something that kids nowadays have to think about that we didn't, and I, I we just didn't. We didn't have to think about. Um, and and again, we didn't go to school. It's not like we went to school in 1814. No, you know, we're no. not like the pioneers on the no. Um, but that's the reality of of of, of what's going on. And um, let me ask you a question because obviously I only saw the the, the telecast from Washington. You were mm-hmm. physically at this mm-hmm. um, rally. One of the things that I that I enjoyed—that's a weird word to say for this, Enjoy, yeah. this type of thing—that we'll that I appreciated. Okay, okay, yeah, get a, get a, you know credit. 
is how these kids, obviously everybody has a different tact and a different route, but what they seem to just be saying on the very base level of it is, I don't care if you are left, I don't care if you are right, it's not about gun control, it's not about mental health, it's about, I need you to do something, Mm -hmm. period. Yeah. If it's a mental health issue... Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then let's do something about it on that side. Mm-hmm. If it's a gun control issue, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then let's do something about it on that side. And that's the one thing that I that I, I keep noticing is, is, is a common thread. Again, there are probably some who are going to lean more towards one side and to the other. Mm-hmm. But the common thread to me seems to be that it's not like before where it was like anti-gun, anti-gun, you mm-hmm. know, or, or, or guns have to be done away mm-hmm. with. They're not even saying that. They're no. just they're basically saying do something. That was a common theme in terms of the speeches today. Okay, and I was at curious the, at that the was... rally um, because there were several speeches. You know, I, I think everybody agreed it just, that there just seems to be this impotence. You know, everybody agreed that there's we have a second you know Second Amendment right to bear arms. I think nobody in this debate or very few people do say that they want. There's both sides. They want to you know extradicate all guns. Right. I mean. I certainly don't believe that. I, I'm not a gun owner, and I, I, guns are something I don't care for. But the same way that I would march and stand for other rights that are closer to me, mm-hmm. I would march for someone's Second Amendment right. Because guess what? Our Bill of Rights is our Bill of Rights. You don't pick and choose which one you like. It is. So the same right. way that I would march for somebody else's right for issue over right, here, right. I would march for that as well. Even though. I don't necessarily subscribe Mm -hmm. to that in particular. The problem is that every time that you have a a discussion about sensible gun laws, it it becomes polarizing. It becomes the people who take the stage are the people who are completely on the right and say, you will not touch my guns. And the people on the complete left that are like, get rid of all guns. And I think that most people are not in those polarized well, lines. Most of those people life are not, not polarized. Right. I think that most people want some type of sensible gun control, gun education. Right. Obviously, obviously, this whole issue with shootings, school shootings particularly, this is not going to be fixed only with gun control. There's a, It's a of very course. multi-layered problem from obviously mental health mm-hmm. to just our culture. We live in a very violent culture from TV to video games. It's very multi-layered. But you got to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. And I think that now with kids taking the forefront, mm-hmm. I think now with, with, with these kids, what they're doing, I think it goes to what you're saying. We don't care at this point what you do. Just do something. Because every time something like this happens, as, we've discussed, and prayers, as we've discussed yeah. a bunch of times, as you said, thoughts and prayers. Oh, my God, thoughts and prayers. Let's do this. Let's do that. Then people start arguing about it, and that's it done. In yeah. a month, it's done. And here we are. This is what I think is different, that it's been, it's been what, a month and a half? Because it happened on Valentine's Day, so yes. It happened on Valentine's Day. So it's been close to a month and a half, and here we are still talking about it. Let me ask you something. You said something. You said that we have a, it's a violent culture. Mm-hmm. Two questions, and I'll, I'll put them together. Um, when you say violent Excuse me, violent culture, are you talking about in the U.S. or are you talking globally? And that's question one. And two, do you really think that it's a violent culture? Because violence has always existed. I mean, mm-hmm. Cain and Abel existed mm-hmm. before PlayStation. Yes. So, I mean, we're not talking about that everything was sunshine and roses Absolutely. up until 19... 19- Listen, I, 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 I have no data to back this up. Um, I, I I don't have data, you know, and I play violent video games, and you've seen violent movies, but, and I don't go out and, but you know, you know, 
you've seen how some video games nowadays are. They're extremely violent mm -hmm. and they're very realistic. I mean, sometimes these video games, when they're on what, what it's called game time, that you, it look, yeah, 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 real time, kind of like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it looks like you're watching a movie. I don't think that by you playing a video game, you're going to go out and shoot up a place. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's necessarily the best thing in the world either to have a child, especially a boy, you know, and, and, and the whole thing with male hey, aggressiveness. Girls can do anything. Right, okay? but, but you know what I mean. The whole hyper male aggressiveness. That's the next march next And week. all that, which could be a whole other topic for another right, podcast. Right. I certainly don't think that that helps either. I, again, I don't think that... Playing violent video games makes you a, a killer or a so shooter. So it's more a perfect storm of various. It's a lot. It's elements. extremely multi-layered. Extremely. Okay. It's it's it's. It, because, it's I mean, Charles Manson didn't have right. It's I mean, very, what, did he, what did he play? Pong. It's very complicated. But the whole thing with the gun laws, you got to start somewhere because as you know now, mm -hmm. now that they put all this emphasis and they put a spotlight on like the actual laws to buy a gun, as you know, as we've discussed, we've discussed, and and just uh, as a community and or a state, we've discussed in, in Florida in particular what we were saying the other day that. You know, you can you can buy an, an assault uh, type mm -hmm. rifle right. at eighteen, but you can go drink a Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I mean, that's a true. Mike's Hard Lemonade. You can't have the hard lemonade. Let's not even talk about a beer. Let's just talk well, about <laughs> and I think it's because you know, as we know from from Lazy Boys, automatic isn't always bad. And so you push the button and it just goes, but hard, that's, that's, that's the qualifier right there. So, you know, let's see, let's see what comes of this. Yeah. Um, a lot of these kids are 16, 17, you know, 17 years old. They're going to be yeah. eligible to vote soon. And not already. Not already, yeah. but very soon within the, you know, handful of years. A lot of them will certainly be able to vote for the next presidential election. Some of them will be able to vote now in the midterm elections now. Yeah. Um, so let's see what happens. But I certainly think, I think that in episode 3.5, yeah. when we had our special yes, episode yes, right after this happened, mm -hmm. I think we both <clears throat> talked about, like, what's going to happen now. And, mm -hmm. and I think that this one does feel different. This one does. There's a it movement does. and a momentum a little, now. That I, I, oh, I think who was it the other day that mentioned? I think it might have been Quincy Jones. Um, said something that he he sees shades of like the Vietnam mm -hmm. protests mm -hmm. in this. And I mean, regardless of however you feel one or the other, but I think that was one of the tipping points of when you saw youth culture mm -hmm. kind of stop being youth. Mm -hmm. and take an interest in something. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said earlier, then that's the point where it becomes you know like. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because then up until then, you're like, oh, you kids don't care about anything. And all of a sudden, you care about something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, you're caring about the wrong thing. Right. You know, so it's one of those, you're never going to win. Um, I genuinely am just happy that, you know, the youth is caring about something. Because I think coming from the, and God, I give the millennials a lot of shit. This generation mm -hmm. is, is the next one down, I think, Gen Z is what mm -hmm. they're called. You know, the millennials tend to look upon themselves very navel-gazing. They mm -hmm. seem to be just very into, like... But why me? Like, uh, I can't get my, you know, <laughs> pumpkin pancakes out of season. And I kind of, it makes me feel a little more confident for the future that this generation has yeah. kind of been like, you know what? It's okay. PSLs only happen once a year. That's fine. We're <laughs> going to focus on something else. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just. But well, you said P. I thought you were going to say Piazadora. No, but you know, and I was trying to think. I'm like, how do we bring Piazadora into this episode? Because I felt it was going to be a little heavy. Piazadora's coming did. in one way but or since another. You did. There's always room for Pia. There's always room for Pia. Always room for Pia. She's she's like she's like the Jello. What is that? What's going oh, on? Oh, something popped up in my computer. Sorry. Well, turn off your turn off your speaker. <laughs> Sorry. As recorded as this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is live. Uh, <laughs> so let's see what happens. Um, Hopefully. Regardless of what happens, it'll be a positive change. Yeah, and you know something that will look. I will help. I think at the end of the day, you know, no matter where you are on this issue, people want something done. I mean, right. I, I think we could all agree that no matter what your political leaning is, nobody wants these school shootings. You yeah, know? I think I think that's a fair uh, bet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I think so. So I think we all agree. You know, it, it's a matter of of trying to figure out how to get there, and um, you know, I certainly think that we're moving. In the right direction. So yeah, definitely. And with that said, we're, we promise we're going to try to keep this not as heavy as episode. Um, episode <laughs> well, six. We, we, hey, we have we have a couple of bangers coming up. No, no, I know that's what. But episode six was heavy. Like I'm drinking my little, you know, my whiskey here. You got some soda. We're we're yeah. we're, we're trying to settle we, in. We still gotta have um, Colada Boys. Sorry, we do. Colada Boys. We do got um, because Colada yeah. Boys. Have you heard? Our, I think it was podcast number. Six, six. Yeah, I took uh, I took on myself the live um, uh, cha- I challenge myself yes, to yes. drink coffee because I don't. It's drink recorded. Any coffee? Yep. Um, I've never had a shot of Cuban espresso. I you never had. I just like tasted it. I don't oh, like coffee. Then you've tasted. No, but I haven't had a shot. I haven't like I've had a little. Okay. We're not going to see that. Okay, but the size of those cups. Uh, is more than enough. Mm-hmm. Like that is a shot. No, 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 no. But it hasn't been a shot. It's been like a little. Whatever. All right, but but on that note, like um, just you know, that's that's kind of part and parcel of some of the things that we're working on here. You know, obviously we're gonna see, we're gonna try to coordinate some schedules with the Colada Boys, with us, the Wanderers. Um, I think we also had some initial chats with our with actually, I think it was the second or the first uh-huh. soda of the desert, Alex Seuda. So yes. you know, we're gonna be trying to diversify this up a bit because. I think it's worth not just hearing us go back and forth, yeah. But occasionally, you know, bring somebody we're, we're in. We're also trying our people are speaking to Rihanna's people. <laughs> we are, we are. I will actually have to drink coconut water, which is obnoxious. Um, it's so sad. Oh yeah, don't say that to our Hispanic Caribbean, you know, listeners. No, who love I coconut love, water. No, but I love coconut because I love patelito de coco. But coconut water that looks like saliva in a glass. Okay, so today, today, before we go on to our next topic and to just liven the mood a little bit from our previous, <laughs> oh, I was going to say here. from saliva in a glass. <laughs> no. So today, I was talking to one of the people I went to the um, march with, and I was telling her the story of one time this event where this lady we we were at an event and this lady went ill, and I tell her, was it the Cable Ace Awards? No, okay. uh, and I tell I tell you know I'm, I'm telling my friend the story I tell her no porque la vieja estamos en una fiesta y la vieja dio un patatón <laughs> and, and she's like okay define patatón and I'm like well patatón when you have you know patatón is, is it a heart attack is it a stroke I feel is, like patatón is it's very dramatic is kind of how the Supreme Court defined indecent material you know it when you see it Obscene material. Obscene material, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I can't describe, I can't tell you what it is, but you know it when you see it. <laughs> so, yes, patatum and obscenity is almost linked in that you just, you know it when you see it. Right, but <laughs> when I imagine somebody having un patatum, there, is, there was a falling. Somebody fell, somebody fell. Yeah, not yeah, that yeah. They, Not that they fell. 
You, you, they somebody stumble. Falls. They, somebody they, falls and stumbles. You don't say that. You don't patato. No, 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 no. I mean no. that whatever medical condition they like have, you fainted. Re- if you fainted, resulted you in them right, right. falling. Now, what would you say is the difference between a patato and un yeyo? Un yeyo. Un yeyo isn't un yeyo more like a un golpe. Okay, is it? I don't know. Yeyo? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Okay, guys. For those of so, you out of there listening, yes. please email us to. Uh, uh, I can't think of it right now because I put me on the spot. Pero podcast. Pero let me podcast. Yeah, pero let me podcast. We should know this. We created this thing. Pero let me podcast at gmail.com. Actually, you know what? Yes. Feel free to, to send us emails or respond to us via all our social media. You know, if you know what the difference is between un patatón and un yeyo, um, let us know. And also let us know if there's a different word that, you know, you guys... Because, again, the beauty of, the, of Spanish, right, is that, like... We might call it a patatón, somebody else might call it un yeyo, somebody else might call it something else, depending on where you're from. So we want to hear... Ahí tú estás en los 15 de... De Marilín. ¿Te acuerdas? Los 15 de Marilín. Y viene la tía y dice, oye, a Xiomara le dio un patatón. Están llamando Rescue. Exactly. Y ahí goes Marilín's 15th. Damn it. There's, you know, there's patatón, there's yeyo, there's sirimba. Una sirimba. Una sirimba. I think una sirimba Sirimba to me is like a faint. Yes, but I think the sinimba is more like a stroke of a cinnamon. A cinnamon. Uh, a cinnamon. <laughs> a cinnamon. It's, it's delicious. Cinnamon. It's only in the holidays. <laughs> to, to I think those are more um, okay, more comparable. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. What a okay. I hadn't heard that one in a while. Okay. Sinimba. But again, actually, we do want to hear you from you guys on this one because we. Yeah. Acuerda de cuando alguien era un patatón and they're on death door. No lo sabe ni el doctor chino. No. Well, not, not even the Chinese, not doctor. The Chinese doctor. You know. <laughs> Because you say what you want about Cuba, but even that island country recognizes the advancements of the Asian culture. Yep. Eastern medicine is Eastern not something medicine, to, to mm, make fun of. Nope. It's nope. the there, real deal. You know, there is a, actually um, there's a Chinatown in, yeah. in La Habana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why there's so many Chinese Cubans. Yeah. And um, in Bird Road and 107th, where Hess is now, there used to be a Chinese restaurant there. In the eighties, oh, okay. And that's a Chinese restaurant that we used to go to. If anybody <laughs> remembers, like so far from your house. On, I'm sorry, it's 107th and Bird Road. You said 107th and Bird Road, but that's so far from your... 107th oh, and Bird said, Road from sorry, my parents' house? Sorry, you said 107th, I heard 87th. No, 107th and okay. Bird Road. Um, there was a Chinese restaurant there in the 80s, and they were legit, like, Chinese-Cuban. And, you know, okay. they, they looked, you know... They were, they, well, they were, they were, from, they were Asian. They were yeah, Chinese, they were Asian. Yeah. But they spoke Cuban, and I remember being very confused <laughs> very because they spoke Cubans like a Cuban you know right right and right. I'm like okay you know because I, I, I was I was a kid I was right. probably like seven or eight years old so I didn't really understand the you know yeah the, I mean the nuances of, uh, of meant, immigration right? to the west and <laughs> you know at seven you didn't understand immigration <laughs> immigration to the west and cultural impacts and demographics of you know countries and you know the the oh, whole wow. diversity makeup. I didn't understand oh. that seven. Um, I understood that at nine, but not seven. Okay, that's, so yeah, a lot happens between them. So while that was our, um... so now that, now that we're we're asking those of you who aren't from Miami and don't know what Bird on One Hundred Seventh is to come back and join us in the conversation. Yes. yes. Oh god. So anyway, so um, more of a serious but kind of lively topic. Okay. So serious but lively, like Blake. <laughs> oh, I don't care for him. No, Blake Lively. You do care for Oh, Blake Lively. I thought you were talking about Blake Shelton, you know. No, you said Lively. Yeah. Blake Lively. Blake, Blake. No, I, 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 yes, but when you said Blake Lively, I thought of Blake, Blake Sheldon, Sheldon. And then I yeah. thought, he was the sexiest man by people. <laughs> Why? Like, yeah, maybe, get your money back? Maybe nobody else was available. 
whatever. Anyway, so um, the whole um, the whole now now the Me Too movement has been eclipsed. Now it's hashtag delete Facebook. Is it? Oh yeah, that's uh, oh Mr. I mean, Media. I know, no, no. I know, I know, I know that they had the breach. Yes, right, recently, yes. but I didn't know that this was a whole so, movement. So let's bring it in a little bit. So, yeah. as you know, um, it's been on the news everywhere. Um, there was a major uh, breach in terms of your privacy, and I mean your and your the royal, as, the royal we, your as it. you and your yes. as our listeners, but not me because I don't have Facebook. Um, oh, I don't have Facebook. I'm so special. Look at me. Oh, I'm not like everybody else. Um, yeah. I'm not. Anyway, uh, whatever. I'm so I've, yeah. I haven't had Facebook since 2008. Anyway, uh, I keep memories. I do keep memories. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as we know, um, Cambridge Analytica uh, gave a significant amount of information over. To, so what is Cambridge Analytica? Just so Cambridge Cambridge Analytica is it's like a data okay. company okay. that they acquired data for from. I don't know if it's specifically Facebook and and or mm-hmm. other social media. Okay platforms but in this specific case they it was for facebook okay. so this is not the first time this has happened this actually the obama campaign in 2012 mm. uses as well Thanks, i don't know obama um but here's the difference so this time around um as you probably heard or our listeners heard, this time it was a bigger deal it well it was a bigger bigger deal in the sense that the way they did it mm-hmm. was not up front. They had surveys, like benign little surveys, like what's your favorite movie? What's your oh, okay. you know, favorite vacation spot? Like it was okay. benign surveys. And then from there they were they able for a malignant through, through their own own algorithm, right. they were able to get information on you and your friends and your followers and all that stuff and you know which as somebody who works in advertising, I can tell you guys happens all the time. I mean the reality right. of it is that this is something once you have you know, cookies on your computer and things like that. That is how we collect information on you and we were able to retarget you. And, you know, that's why sometimes people will say, specifically on Facebook, like, oh, I just saw, an, you know, I was just searching for a vacation to Universal Studios and now on Facebook it's showing an ad for Universal Studios. It's because all of that is interconnected and that is, for better or worse, you know, we don't pay for the internet. Mm-hmm. And so that is the price mm-hmm. ultimately that we do pay right. for that use of the internet is right. you have to give up of your information to a degree the same way that you know you may not pay to see broad again theoretically if you have a tv antenna you can watch over the over the air channels mm-hmm. the price you pay is having to sit to the commercials right so this has been done before obviously as you said it different other political campaigns have done it the, the problem was that this time around it was a little bit more sneaky but the big question here is does facebook have a um, ethical, moral, company-wide mm-hmm. responsibility to store your data, keep your data private, and or if they're going to use your data for whatever reason, let you know, or should you as a user have the discretion to put it upon yourself to be, well, discretionary mm-hmm. as to what you put out there publicly on your Facebook feed. So is it is it the Facebook? Is it the user? Is it a little bit of both? So yes, it's. I think... So here's the, here's the thing. Number one, everybody and their mother treats social media. Let's broaden the scope, right? Let's mm-hmm. not just talk about Facebook. Let's talk about, oh, Snapchat, it's gone in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as you know. Everybody just takes it upon value that, like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be real. I'm going to mm-hmm. put it all out there. Okay, that's fantastic. There's a price to that. You know, just whether it's a social repercussion or a personal repercussion, right. you know, the time that you think you're going to just, like, I tell it like it is. Yeah, well, you know what? You sound like an asshole. Right. There could be repercussions. 
But then there's also the fact that I do know, and I'm actually going to use, I'm not going to use Facebook, I'm going to use Apple as the proxy for my next statement. When you use certain things, like when we all sign up for our iPhones and we all sign up for iTunes mm -hmm. and we all click I accept without reading right. the 6,000 things right. on that agreement, we can't come back later and complain mm -hmm. and say, oh, but I didn't know. Bueno, pero hold on. Espérate. Right. You clicked on here that says you read it and right. you agree with it. Right. So, you know, at some point you have to take that responsibility upon yourself. It's, you know, to, to, you can't always say, oh, I didn't know. Oh, but you were, and, and this actually it ties into almost like the freaking mortgage thing where people were like, you know, oh, I didn't know I couldn't afford a house that was $200,000 on a salary of, you know, 15000 mm -hmm. a year. It's like, really? You couldn't? Right. No, but I didn't read what I signed. Okay, but then whose fault is that? You know what I mean? Like to a degree, it, it, there's... At some point, you have to take the responsibility upon yourself. Where it's mm -hmm. like, you can't be happy to use things and then be upset when what you gave them permission to do mm -hmm. is done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's one so of those, you're putting it more on the user. I think it's... Well, I think it's just you, you... You can be upset about it. You can... Absolutely. You can come back and say it's not right. But what but about you, to the person... But, they, but, then, but don't say, oh, I didn't know. Or don't say they didn't tell okay, me. Okay, but what about to the person... And I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because, uh, again, I'm not on Facebook. So, well, I'm on Instagram and I'm sure Instagram does the same That's all by Facebook, so yeah. Yeah, it does the same thing. So, same difference, I guess. But what about to the person who just, you know, logs into Facebook to just share family, uh, pictures of their family. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not really into the whole discussion things. They could care less. They, don't, they use it for the original purpose. For, right. Right. Of, you know, just... Went on vacation, here's my family pictures, right, and right. the relatives so see it. So should like that it. person, you know, that person who very innocently uses this platform, you know, does that person have to have that on the back of their mind as well? The problem here is that it's it's not about what you use it for. It's about that once you agree that you are going to use it mm -hmm. and you agree to their terms... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, but I mean, there's, 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 there's a problem. problem. I, mean, I know you're you're aware, so you probably have a different insight. But there is essentially a contract. There element, is a contract element. It, to it, it is a contract, but I and think you can't be upset when the other side enforces. What right, you but, but I think it's a matter of scope, right? Okay, because obviously, yes, we're all guilty of signing up for whatever social media platform or anything for that matter, and not reading using reading we're not the user. Read it. We're not because I'm the first one. I'm not. We I don't probably read have it. to. <laughs> I probably have to give my firstborn. To Steve Jobs. Listen, I have a legal background and I don't read it. Right. right? I mean, nobody does. Nobody does. Nobody does. But, but I think there's something to be said of scope. Because if I'm agreeing to go on the social media platform, mm -hmm. all right, and to share my pictures, my recipes, my food, whatever, mm -hmm. I'm also not expecting for my personal information to be extruded to that extent. And on top of that, my friends as well because you know what maybe i'm on facebook and i barely use it but you know what you're a much more active user mm -hmm. and now you've spilled my beans you know uh, through through this type of algorithm the problem is that you can't you can't have that type of an agreement on a case-by-case -case, on a one-by-one -one. i don't think you can on a platform I on a platform that ultimately relies on interconnectivity I also think that I'm the wrong person to ask this question on some level because I do work in advertising. Mm -hmm. And so I... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Probably erroneously take it upon myself to think that everybody understands that right, this is part and parcel. No, but I'm saying that this is part and parcel and there are pitfalls to that. But that, no, but I think I think your angle's different because Listen, we live in a commercial world. As Madonna says, we live in a material world. <laughs> and, and she is a material girl who I do not want to get a hug from. <laughs> she is looking very angular lately. I love Madonna, Louise, Veronica Chacon. But, yo, it would, it would hurt. It'd be like, yeah. like, it would be like hugging a diamond. Oh, my God. I would get cut. Anyway, um, well, to what I was saying, I think that most people understand and assume that if they go on social media, as you said, this is the price you pay. There's an to implication go on the to it, right? There is going to be a certain, you know, commercial giving up of, uh, of privacy. Uh, a privacy in terms of commercial and advertisement, and that's fine to a certain extent. But in terms of your personal information, like your so, poli- then I think so. I think we haven't we haven't really delved into what is different about this Cambridge Analytica. I think I know what I'm saying. I, think, I don't think we've given enough detail as to the extent of the information. Well, that's what it was. They got like personal information in terms of like addresses and and I don't know about social security numbers, but addresses, political leanings, like political, um, you know, where you stand politically on things, and got data from that. And and okay. and, and but then, but again, I say, but again, from my perspective, because of what I do for a living, that's the type of data that we always use. That is what we use to understand how to serve you an ad. Not just on mm-hmm. Facebook, and I'm uh, I'm gonna blow the lid wide open on this one, kids. Mm-hmm. Across the entire internet, mm-hmm. we do retargeting. We do it based on your behavior and what you post, and all that just kind of creates this person. But if right, you will. but that's for, that's for commercial reasons. This was poli- this was purely for political reasons. But what, so, what do you mean purely for political? reasons? The reason why Cambridge Analytica was hired by the Trump campaign was okay, for well, so, political okay. reasons, but. But the argument could be made that it was political under the guise of commercial. In other words, in, in that they were utilizing it to reach out to people. But that's the problem itself. Okay, but then but then then that's a different conversation to be had, I think. Because then it becomes, well then should politicians be allowed to target us via digital media? The short answer is, of course, they have to be because that's where we spend all of our time. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But then, you know, if if that's the case, then the problem here is. What, and again, maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm rejiggering your. I mean, your, let me let statement. me get this paragraph here. Um, in terms of Cambridge Analytica, the and this issue, this highlights a larger debate. Uh, this is from the Vox website. This um, highlights a larger debate over how much users can trust Facebook with their data. Facebook allowed a third-party developer to engineer an application for the sole purpose of gathering data, okay. and the developer was able to exploit a loophole to gather information on not only the people who use the app but all their friends without them knowing. 
you know what, I'm probably just a big asshole, but if right now I'm working on a campaign and somebody, a vendor, mm-hmm. comes to me and says, I can do this, I would be like, how much does it cost? You're going to go see what loophole you have. To I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna see how I can use it. I'm going to see how I can use it because I want to... I need to maximize my my message's reach mm-hmm. most efficiently. Mm-hmm. And if that's what that sounds like is happening... Again, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm speaking well, more generally. What, I would totally run well, for it. For so lot, I'm just saying from that perspective, it just seems like a no-brainer. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, yo, we can do this, be like... Right. Here's the chat. From my understanding, nothing illegal was done here. That's what I'm saying. That's this my is, point. This That's is my point. An ethical issue. And then I'm the really wrong person because I work in advertising. So, no, but it's so. an ethical issue. So because again, if I sign up for Facebook, I know I I, I assume certain things are are going to happen, mm-hmm. but I don't assume that all my information is going to be used for a political campaign. I don't know. I guess. I guess. I guess my my viewpoint is tainted. Well, if because our, of what I do, our listeners out there, yeah. you know, whatever your thoughts are, please send us emails too. Pero let me podcast at gmail.com or and I know some of you have not been shy at all. Feel free to direct message us on not only Instagram, which many of you have done and we totally appreciate, but on Facebook and on Twitter. We're actually we're on Twitter now. Yes, since our last podcast. Um, ooh, that one I don't remember. It's I think it's pero let me. It's yes. at pero let me. Yep. Only because Twitter didn't give me enough characters to keep going. <laughs> um, and a shout out actually to Thomas yes. for helping us with our with, with our social media mm-hmm. presence. He's yes. been absolutely fantastic. Thomas Thank you is so a, much, sir. A good friend of mine. Yeah, he's good people. He's, so. he's absolutely fantastic. And so since we haven't paid him. I figure I should at least thank him publicly. Yes, we'll pay him when we get our first sponsor. <laughs> there you so go. Thomas, get on get on that. Get Thomas, Thomas, yeah. Yeah, Netflix as our first sponsor. Exactly. So there's something I want to bring up. Um, which goes in a little bit to our theme of our podcast, um, a little bit uh, Caribbean, a little bit Hispanic, um, to kind of see, because this is something that I think we're all very, we have our own take on it. Um, and we certainly as Hispanics, especially from the Caribbean, see it differently than other people. So have you heard of Amara La Negra? This sounds like something I've heard of, but I couldn't tell you anything other than it sounds familiar. Okay, let me give you a little bit of a background. I love the name. Amara La Negra okay. is on Love & Hip Hop Miami. Okay, I keep getting surfed ads for that damn thing on Sling TV, mm-hmm. but like consistently, like it'll be like one after the other, after the okay. other, after the other. Also, oh, it kind of makes me sad that Trina's on it, but at the same time, yeah. I'm happy because Trina's on it. It's a double-edged sword, right? right? I'm just like, Trina! I'm like, oh, Listen, Trina. listen, we can't... I like a, a year ago, we could talk all the crap we wanted about love and hip hop, whatever city. Yeah, Atlanta, it was from Atlanta, Atlanta or whatever, whatever city it was. You know, it was doing. But listen, Cardi B came out of love and hip hop. Well, that's our difference. Yeah, I love one of our. I love Cardi B. I love you. I think you're awesome. I don't get it. Um, I, I, I don't. But thankfully get for it. me, I get. But but you can't deny the fact that this is her year. I this don't know her. what a Kodak yellow is. Kodak I yellow, Chico. It's all me. But but you can't deny that she. This oh, no, she's is her had a fantastic year. You know, I, mean, she, I mean, God bless. Enjoy your time in the sun and and take it as far as you want to. You know, she she's the first. She was the first Not um, my jam, but female hip hop um, artist to have a number one singer, a number one single on the Hot 100. I which think. I'm sure Lil Kim is ecstatic about. No, because she's had it without as a solo, without featuring anybody else. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure yeah. Lil Kim is so happy about it. And that. she's had like I think her second single went already platinum, and she had the yeah. song with Bruno Mars and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so Amara yeah, La Negra. Success in the world. Amara La Negra is she is Dominican. Okay. Shout out to Dominicans. Raised in Miami. Okay. Okay. Great. She's a stunning woman. She's beautiful. She has this like, um, she's black. 
And really? she has this like caramel. Like, Amara La Negra's black? Well. <laughs> really? Well, no, because in Cuban, in Cuban, La Negra could be a white person, but whatever. That's true. We but I feel like that would be a. But she has this beautiful like caramel tone. She has light eyes. She always wears her hair in a big fro. Like very natural. She's very natural. Very natural. Very natural. Afro Latina. Uh, that was the next thing I was going to say. Okay. She identifies herself as Afro Latina. Yeah. Since she's been on Love and Hip Hop Miami and been exposed to now a national right. and international mm-hmm. audience, they don't know what to do with her. They've, they've. Um, it's like glitter. <laughs> no, they've, they've, <laughs> she no, no, listen, white, listen. they've um, said that she does blackface. They've said that she's not, re- you know, that, yeah, that she's not really black. That she makes her complexion. Are darker. you serious? Yeah, they've they've criticized her for calling herself Afro Latina because let me see how I could put this correctly. Don't bother. Of, Just do it. No, in terms of my my execution <laughs> of this. Just do it. Just do it. This is something that I had never really thought about because for us as Cubans, and again, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Caribbean, correct, Car- Caribbean, correct, correct. you know. As we've discussed in previous podcasts, you're white or you're black, but most importantly, you're Cuban. You're Cuban. You're Puerto Puerto Rican. Right. right? At the end of the day, you're that. Somebody from the Dominican Republic, and we both have a lot of friends from there, it doesn't matter what shade they are. They are Dominican. Dominican. Somebody from Cuba, it doesn't matter what shade you are. You are Cuban. Cuban. Puerto Rican. To go back to Que Pasa USA, I'm not black. He's not black. Black. He's Cuban. Cuban. Exactly. And that is how we, as Caribbean culture, Caribbean nations, have thought about it. When we grew up watching Celia Cruz, and she loves Celia Cruz. Celia Cruz is her Who hero. Who doesn't? When she... When she and we're gonna, when, we have a Celia Cruz story. We have a Celia gonna, Cruz yeah, story yeah, yeah. that we're going to share in this podcast. Yeah. But when we grew up watching Celia Cruz, obviously we knew Celia Cruz was black, but we saw her as a Cuban. We didn't see her as... A, a, we didn't well, see her as a black person. We saw her as a And I think Cuban it kind person. of comes back to... I, I mean, and actually you and I have this conversation... When Hispanics, I'm going to go ahead and broaden the scope here, but specifically the Caribbean, based mm-hmm. on what you just said, when we say, oh, Fulano or whatever, oh, they're black, we mean like American black. Right. To us, black well, is well, American black. Don't, don't, not because of what. Well, well, that's, that's where I'm going. That's, okay. That's, okay. Okay. Damn it. that's where I'm going. Okay. That's where I'm going. Okay. So for us, I was a little bit kind of. Like, what do you mean about right. this? Because I'm like. Celia Cruz. Right. Celia Cruz is black, but she's I mean, Cuban. Okay. Not... And Celia Cruz isn't even like, you know, kind of like tan. No. Black. Uh, Amara okay. La Negra. Yes, she's black, but she's Dominican. She's Dominican which, right. by the way, what I think is great about her is you gotta you gotta check her out. I think you'll yeah. like her. She's a total Miami girl. The op- moment she <laughs> opens up her mouth, it's like, oh, wow. Total Miami Miami's accent. in the house. Because <laughs> she is like total, total Miami. Okay. Like, okay. Big time. Anyway, um, She's had to explain herself a lot because Sorry. people just don't understand. They don't know what to do with her. They don't know Sorry. what to do with her. So she was on uh, The Breakfast Club a couple of uh, weeks ago. Shout out to The Breakfast Club, my favorite morning show. Okay. And they didn't, they were like, Afro Latina? Wait, are you black? Are you Latina? Like, but wait, aren't you black? And she's like, no, I'm Afro Latina. You can I'm, be more than one thing. I am, I am, my skin color is black. Right. But I'm a Latina. Like right, 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 I, I am a Latina. I identify myself as a Latina, as Dominican. Right. You know. Whereas I think that for the African American or Black experience in the United States, being Black is is it that yeah, that is, is who that's you the are. Identity that is, that is your identity. Right. Obviously, because they they you know if you're Black, these are their experiences in the their US. experiences shape that. But right. if you're 
a black Latina from the Dominican Republic or from Cuba or from Puerto Rico, your experience is completely different. Right. And again, that was something that I was kind of a little bit naive to because that's how I grew up. So it's just not something I really... Well, it's actually, it's interesting you bring that up because I just literally, I was in New York this week. I'm in New York a lot on these damn mm-hmm. podcasts, aren't I? Um, for work. And we were having a meeting. I deal a lot in not only in advertising, but multicultural mm-hmm. advertising. And one of our clients targets female consumers and we work with, with them on the Hispanic female mm-hmm. consumers. And they're working on this initiative right now. And one of the things that I kept bringing up was, you know, we have to not just think of it as we're targeting Hispanic women, but we're targeting Hispanic women, Latina women, mm-hmm. Latinx women, as much as I hate that damn phrase, mm-hmm. Afro-Latina. Like, we have to broaden the scope because it's not just about the language. Mm-hmm. It's about the subsets. And to your point, yes, they don't think of themselves, quote unquote, as black, but obviously that has shaped their experience, but they, they have to reckon, you know, they speak Latina, you know, they, they speak Spanish, they, they mm-hmm. dance merengue, they, you know, that's kind of what they are, they're culturally mm-hmm. first. Right. Whereas here in the U.S., you know, again, it's African-American, right? right. Because it's the American culture of being black right and it's a a different experience and and i'm glad that i a white gay hispanic was able to explain that (laughs) to any of our uh, you know multicultural listeners right but that that and again that's something that i never really i never really stopped to think about it well because it's not part of our lives you know and and we don't we don't quantify it that way no but my surprise was they're dominican my surprise was how the American, you know, market, both mm-hmm. white and black, right. is like, what? Like, what do you mean? You can be more than one thing. Because what she was saying was like, you know, when you think Latina, you think Jennifer Lopez. That so is Sofia Vergara. That is, that is the image yes, of a Latina. Yes, yeah. And then she's like, there's no Latina women that look like me in terms of a print and advertise, you know, advertising. That's not true. There's Christina Milian, who is Cuban. Yeah, but Christina, the thing about her is, right, no. No, Christina Milian was raised here. Well, yeah. so was she. So was oh, she. Oh, okay, okay. Right, but, see, no, she was raised here. Right, yeah, no, no, but there, there's a difference between Christina Milan and her. Because okay. Christina M- M- Milan did more, like, urban music, and she never really played up so much that. Whereas her music is very Afro-funk, Caribbean, Oh, Latin. she's a singer. I thought she's she was a, a singer. She's oh, okay, a singer. Okay. Again, I don't watch this show at all. So yeah, she has a big fro, okay. you know. It's... It, 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 you look at her videos and we, you're not going to see anything foreign. You're going to see like a Celia, kind of like okay, it's, Celia it's what we know. 2018. Yeah. I, I, oh my God, I'm so excited. I want to check her out. Now. Yeah. And Celia Cruz is her hero. And she, well, you know, she's nice. like, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of women in terms of like Latina right. that look like me because, you know, they're, they're not going to use me. They're going to go with the image of Jennifer Lopez. Right. And again, what, you know, I'm repeating myself, but what really took me like, back from this was the fact that you know in these interviews people were like wait you're afro-latina like wait but but you're black but you know but but she's like no i'm afro-latina it's a different thing and again it goes back to what we were saying about celia Cruz. when celia Cruz, again we all knew she was black but she was cuban that's right, what she right. was this girl she's dominican right. that is what she is Mira. the takeaway from all this is que we come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors, okay? To be Hispanic or Latino or Latina or Latinx or Caribbean or however you want to define yourself is not one thing. And I think that's so fascinating, not to us, but to other cultures. Right. Because of what's put before them. I mean, I'm going to use, I know this is a complete opposite end of the spectrum, but there's, you know, William Levy. You look at William Levy, William Levy is blonde, blue-eyed. He looks like the freaking poster boy for right. a Nazi, right. you know, ad. Yeah. But... 
he's Cuban. You know I've what I mean? My mother, she's fair skinned, blonde with blue eyes. Exactly, exactly. And that kind of takes people for a curveball. It like, yeah, they don't know what to do with that. They're like, yeah. but you don't look quote unquote Latino. Well, right. wait, what the hell does a Latino look like? Right. You know, and it's it's that it, that's the crux of it. It's like I want you to tell me. What do you think right, my but, people look like? But that's that's kind of what this is about, where they don't know what to do with you because th- exactly. But I think that with her being celebrate our differences, people. But I celebrate think with her being we can black, be everything. With her being black, it takes an even greater role because you know, again, when you're black See, because, in, the, in the U.S., it's very identifiable in terms of your culture because of the way you were raised and you know the, the background. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at racism, but I'm laughing at racism because I'm remembering again our the seminal program that we grew up with Que Pasa USA mm-hmm. where Marta the, the neighborhood gossip character the, in an episode that deals actually about racism and acceptance of blacks and what it means to be black American, American. and black Cuban her cousin is coming from Cuba and her cousin I mean Marta's like very very white and her cousin is like black 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 as the night and you know she comes in and her cousin again being from Cuba has no no context of the racism in the U.S. It's not that racism didn't exist in Cuba, but she doesn't have the context of it here, right, in that scope. And Marta basically tells her something to the extent of, like, you know, oh, don't say... Oh, because at the time you couldn't say black right. or whatever, and it's like, that's an insult. And she's like, no, 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 the thing is that racism here has, like, this history of, like, 100-plus years. But don't worry, in another 200 or so, it'll fix itself out. <laughs> you know, and it's that it's that mentality of, like... Well, I why can't actually, I say, why can't I say this? Why can't I do this? This is okay for me where I'm well, from. Well, actually, I'm going to quote another Gabasa USA episode, which I think yeah. clearly, which we're coming up on the on the 40 year later play, yes. which I have tickets for, and I'm so excited to go. Well, see. I don't have tickets for, it, and we're going to have to get me tickets. But with that said, um, if you're listening Gabasa USA play to this podcast, and you want to send us tickets, we want to give us backstage. We will definitely be more than mm-hmm. happy to do. And something Michael, like you're more than welcome to come here. Oh my God, or Connie Ramirez, I um, but. There's another episode we're going to say. Barbara Ann Martin, we went to Southwest and you went to Southwest. Yeah, Eagles in the house. Eagles in the house, so bring it. Um, is another episode we're going to say when Carmen does the, um, and again, check out everybody, get Pasa USA. Yes. Um, th- this Good show, job. as we've talked about before, perfectly portrayed a Cuban family in the 70s and 80s and what we went through culturally. But it still does it today. I mean, I and think it's it's. It, 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 there's an episode where one of the the, the teenagers, Carmen, um, she goes on like some computer, the, yeah, um, computer computer matching yeah. dating service, and she matches with this young, you know, a, you know, black African American kid, and he comes to the house. You know, this is like a white, like Cuban uh, um, family, and they're kind of like, what, like, uh, uh, like that's who you're dating. You know, what you would think, you know, like a white. Uh, would would be like the computer matched you up with that you know with a black kid with a black kid like what but then in the same episode one of their best friends who's Cuban and black comes into the house and they're all like hey and then there's there's a scene which I loved where the black like African American kid tells like the family you don't have a problem with him. He and you know he's, he's blacker, blacker than I am, which he was. Yeah. And then the black Cuban guy's like, "Yeah, I'm not black. I'm Cuban." And then everybody's right. like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." That perfectly sums up her. And right. that, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I never thought about that because that's just the way we were raised, and you know that's how we kind of see people from our country or from our region of the world. Yeah. But other people don't see it that way. So I guess that's why it's been such a 
shock in terms of what is she, what do we do with her, and right. she's had to explain herself in like every single interview that's, she that's, does. It's sad that she's had to explain herself, but yeah. it's great. But check her out. She's she's yeah. very talented. Her I name will. is Amara La Negra. She's Dominican from here from Miami. Yeah. And, you know, best of luck to her. So, you yeah. know, a shout out to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't wait to hear her stuff and look her up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just before we get into our last soda of the desert, I think we should just maybe take the opportunity right now to talk about Celia Cruz because I know we mentioned we would mention yes. it in this episode. We have a Celia so Cruz story. We have probably the ultimate Celia Cruz story. Um, so, well. For those of you who know, I mean, Celia Cruz was like the pinnacle of. The salsa singer, I mean, super successful. She was just an icon upon icons. I mean, we're not just talking about within the Spanish-speaking community. She was friends with Patti LaBelle. Cindy Lauper looked up to her as an icon. So she's mm-hmm. definitely somebody who's had a mark in the music industry across the board. I mean, you, you can't find a bigger a bigger name just from the voice to the soul to the sound to the look. Everything about her just screamed icon, and more so because we are Cuban, and she felt like one of ours. She, she was one of she ours. She was one of ours. I mean, she, like really she was a family was. member. She really was. Since I have memory of life, I remember Celia Cruz music just every Saturday as my mother, you know, cleaned. Mm-hmm. Celia Cruz was blasting yeah. out of the stereo. So I always used to say, kind of in a shit and giggles tone, to yeah. this guy right here, I'd Since be like, like eighth grade, or even before that, for a while, I would always say, "Oh my God, can you imagine?" the day the Celia Cruz dies, it's going to be like a day of national mourning. I kind of said this in more... What context did we have? You know, I kind of said this, you know, but but I kind of said it a little bit cynical, you know? A little bit cynical. There's going to be like a parade. A little bit of jest. There's going to be, you know, a a whole to-do and a procession. I mean, like, we... we I would would say they're going to march her casket down La Ocho y La 27, uh 8th Street and 27. But I kind of in jest would always tell him, like, oh my God, the world's going to stop when Celia Cruz dies because it it was that significant. Well, fast forward to 2003. When she does pass away. And unfortunately, she did pass away. And we had, again, we had always talked about this. And this wasn't something we talked about once. We We talked about this over and over again. She was older. Eventually, she was going to die. So, um, especially toward the end. Fast forward when she, you know, when she passed away. Here in Miami, in the Freedom Tower, which is a very iconic building it's, downstairs. It's the Miami Cuban version of Ellis, of Ellis Island. Island. So it's a very significant building. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a wake for her, and her casket was going to be there. And I don't know what Open happened. Casket, yeah. I don't know what happened. I was going on a cruise. I was leaving on yeah. a cruise that same day. It was on a Sunday. I was leaving on a cruise, and I think I was already applying for law school or something. It was, it, there, was there was chaos. There was like, chaos. You and I never planned it to go and 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 go see her although we had always talked about we have to do this because we know it's going to be a show right and we have to go my aunt and my mom are like listen we should go to her wake because this is history and it's our history it's our history this is history they like two hundred and fifty thousand people went just to miami alone um this is history let's go so we went to the metro rail station here at like 7 30 in the morning which is our public transportation train system that doesn't really go anywhere other than downtown Downtown. and it took us downtown and guess who do I see in the downtown station? <laughs> yep. Me and my sister, when we heard this, actually my parents were out of town. And actually, I do have a Celia Cruz connection because aside from loving her my entire life, when my father first came to this country and moved up to New York and was living with his father, um, my grandfather was managing a Chinese restaurant in New York, uh, several Chinese restaurants. And the owner knew all of the Spanish, Hispanic celebrities in New York at the time. And they would always go to the restaurant, including Celia Cruz and her husband, Pedro Knight. And my father would always tell us that 
when he would, you know, he would go hang out with his father at the restaurant and Celia Cruz would be there, she would, you know, give him a dollar sometimes or give him little candies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, like, my father interacted with, with Celia Cruz yeah. as a child. And that's something that I've always, you know, I can play two degrees of, of separation with Celia Cruz, with Celia Cruz wow. you know. And I've always taken that with me, that that's just always meant so much to me that... I'm part of that history as tangibly as it is. Mm-hmm. So when she passed away, my parents were up in North Carolina at, at you know on vacation in their cabin, and my sister and I were like, we have to go. Like there wasn't even a doubt in our mind about should we, shouldn't we. It was like this is happening on Sunday. We're gonna wake up. We're gonna go to the train, you know, the metro rail station, and we're going to go to this funeral. And literally, like I think we walk into the train, and you, your mother, and your aunt are sitting there. And it was just so kismet that we had talked about this. Did it was not plan meant this. to be. It's not even that it was like, hey, I'm going to pass by and pick you up. We literally were on public transportation mm-hmm. and we were on the same car. And there were 250,000 people yes. there and yet we found each other. And it was meant to be. Other. It was meant to be. And it was, um, you know, I know she's a celebrity. I know she didn't know who I was. And I know that, you know, I just told the story of my father and God knows if she even remembers that. But there was just something about her that I felt I needed to be there. And obviously so did you mm-hmm. because you were there as well. And mm-hmm. it was just, she was such... It was very significant. Yes. She was such a symbol. Yeah. I think sometimes things happen or, you know, in this case, people passing away and you immediately understand its significance because sometimes you don't understand the significance of something until right. after the fact. But here you understood the significance and that's why so many people went because, again, over 200,000 people went here, just here in, in New Jersey, in Jersey, New York, yeah. they did a wake for her in St. Patrick's Cathedral. I mean, and, and there was a few places they did it. I mean, for Celia Cruz. Yeah. And I mean, again, my parents were in North Carolina and I remember... Um, my dad coming back and telling the story that they yeah, had some friends were in that area and they were at dinner or what have you and one of the guys said something to the extent of you know oh those crazy Miami guys making such a big deal about Celia Cruz and my father doesn't fawn over celebrities my father's not you know the type of person who's like oh I love so and so and he told me that he at that moment like I said said that essentially clap back with like you know she meant a great deal to the cuban community mm-hmm. she was a fantastic icon she was a humanitarian mm-hmm. and you know what she deserves that and much more yeah she's very and, and you know my father he's not the type to like stand up for a celebrity yeah and again i think it also has to do with the fact that she was you she know, was he, very musically acclaimed as well but for it, him personally again he met her at a time when he was new to this country mm-hmm. and didn't know anybody mm-hmm. he had no mastery over language and things like that mm-hmm. he was a kid and yeah. there was this woman who was kind to him yeah for no reason yeah. other than that's who she appeared to be yeah so well we don't have to tell our listeners because if you're listening to our podcast you know who Celia Cruz is yeah, we, so. assume, we assume you know who she is so you know yeah, yeah. so that's our little Celia Cruz yeah, antidote yeah. so uh, we reached that thirsty time we are thirsty we're thirsty I, I, actually I do need to refill on my whiskey <laughs> so do you want to go first or do you want me I'll to go, go first, first? Okay. <clears throat> so my last Coke of the yeah, Desert we're like running over an hour my, at this point my last Coke of the Desert is um, because we were talking about the marches earlier uh, today and mm-hmm kind of what our youth is doing. My last Coke of the Desert is to Janet Jackson and her Rhythm Nation album. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. People of the world today. Because (laughs) that album is almost 30 years old. Jeez Louise. And it's more significant now than ever. 
Do you remember the pledge? What what Rhythm Nation the song used to open with? It, it said, I don't know it all. We are a nation of no geographic boundaries, bound together through our beliefs. We are like minded individuals sharing a common vision, pushing toward a world rid of color lines. This was written in 1988, 1989. Jeez. And that album, songs like Rhythm Nation, songs like The Knowledge, songs like uh, State of the World, you listen to those songs right now, and it describes exactly. Everything that's going on from the Me Too movement to education to, yeah. you know, the, the March, for March for Our Lives to LGBT issues, everything, it's 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 on there. So the fact that they're almost 30 years old, this album resonates more than ever, it deserves a Coke in the Desert. Well, fantastic. And so I love me some Janet, you know, we went to see her a couple of weeks ago, well, months ago at this point, right? Yes. Uh, she just, it's timeless. She's yes. fantastic. So my last soda is a little more local. Um, a little more local. A little more local. It's actually, um, it's for a business mm-hmm. that has been in business now for 25 years. It's actually my favorite local comic book shop mm-hmm. up in uh, Lauderdale Hill. It's in Fort Lauderdale, Broward County. It's called Tate's Comics and Games. And not only am I giving it to them because, okay, they've been around for 25 years, which actually this weekend, as we're recording this, they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. But what I always love about them is the story behind the store. Mm -hmm. He actually, Tate Onati, began that store while he was in high school. Mm. He actually opened the store while he was in high school. At the time when it opened, it was only open basically after school hours. He was helped with his father uh, by his father to to put the business up and going, and you know the fact that he still he had a dream and he had an, a vision and he had an ambition as to what he wanted to achieve, and he had the support of his parents. Much like, I mean, I know I'm drawing a very weird parallel here, but much like these kids today, you know, have the support of their parents to really pursue what they feel is important. Mm-hmm. And the fact that 25 years later, this comic book shop is not only still there, but it's become recognized as one of the leading um, independent comic book shops in the country by several organizations in the comic mm-hmm. book industry. And he now has two kids of his own and he's been right. able to really become like a part of the the comic book community. Right. I think that deserves recognition. And I think, again, he started this... A very minimum of Coke. A <laughs> very minimum. I should give a damn Coke. I mean, you know, I didn't pay for his lunch. But, um, and, you know, 25 years is a long time. Yeah. For a, for a, any business right. to, to last. More so one that was well, I imagine, by a kid. I imagine because was, you know I'm not into comic books, but I imagine comic books obviously have a very loyal following. They do, and the place is fantastic. I mean, it's the closest that I think I, I can get down here in South Florida to what a Midtown Comics is mm-hmm. like in New York mm-hmm. or uh, or Golden Apple over in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. But any industry that any business that can last 25 years deserves to be recognized. It must be doing something right, and especially when it was started by a kid, mm-hmm. literally a kid. He was in high school when he began it, and so. So I give you Tate's Comics, uh, you know, our last Coke of the Desert. Yay! So Janet Jackson and, and Tate's, Tate's Comics. comics. The, those yeah. are two interesting. Well, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album. Yes, specifically. Yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, that brings thank us to you the so end. much, everyone. Grab yeah. your croqueta, your pastelito, and your jupiña. Oh yes, and yo, we're recording this at night, so I'm so hungry. I'm gonna get like two croquetas. Yeah, so am I. So <laughs> and thank you so much for tuning in, episode. Eight. Yes, eight. We a long episode, but there was a lot to say, and hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank right, you so guys. much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary; not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.